our series on heroes of the faith is built on that premise. That you and I believe that we can be heroes of the faith. Not only that, not only that we can maybe possibly be heroes of the faith, but it is in fact God's intention that you and I be heroes of the faith. That this isn't something that's reserved for amazing people or great people, but it is in fact the intention of God's heart. As, as we've begun this series and as we spend some time in it, if, if we don't believe that, if we don't honestly come to the belief that God truly wants us to be heroes of the faith, that even in a time of confusion and exhaustion and, and, and a world that's just crazy, God still wants to do that with us. If we don't believe that, then, then we're wasting our time. But I don't think we are. Because it's not just possible that you can be a hero of the faith. It is in fact God's intention that you and I and all of his children become heroes of the faith. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. They, they stressed out. Um, Jesus has told them that he's going to leave them and, and they are confused and they're afraid and they don't know how to deal with the world. And Jesus says this to them in John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I am doing and in fact they will do greater things than me. It was Jesus talking to his 12 disciples and, and, and the others who'd begun to follow him. And he was saying to them, this is, what, this is what can be. This is what can be. You think I've done amazing things? God's purpose is that every one of us, that God's church, God's family become those who do the work of God in the world. Now, it's easy to cop out at this point, or I, I, I find it easy, because I'm not Jesus, you know? And, and, I mean, Jesus had all these, he was God. You know, I mean, he was God. He, he could do all the things God can do, and all that stuff was surely because he was God that he could do all those things. And I'm not God. I'm definitely not God. And so I can book out, except I can't, because, because Jesus' superpower, the things that he did here on earth, weren't done simply because he was God. He, he, he found his power somewhere else. 
In fact, just a little earlier in John chapter 14, he tells his disciples this. Do you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So, so we could get into a very long theological debate about the Trinity, and I'm not going to do that this morning. But Jesus is saying, the reason I can do this, the reason I'm able to, to perform these miracles, the reason I've been able to live the life I've lived, the reason I can die on the cross, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because of the relationship that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The power comes from that deep, intimate relationship that we have. And I'm just here doing the work of the Father. I'm just here doing what comes out of that relationship. Jesus' superpower was, and he says it himself, a deep, personal, intimate relationship within the Godhead. That is where the power comes from. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Now, here's the thing. Jesus tells us that we can have that too. We are not God. But we can have God living in us. We can have God living his purposes out of us. And Jesus says to his disciples, the reason you can have that is because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come to you and he will empower you so that you can have this deep, personal, intimate relationship with God. You can have that. In fact, God intends it for you. God invites you into it. I think so often we become afraid of, of or we get put off striving for what God wants for us because we see so much of what God is saying to us as an order. Do this, do that, go there, go here. But really it's not an order, it's an invitation. It is an invitation from Jesus to this, this beautiful, complex, lifelong journey of knowing God deeply and intimately. That's what the series is about. It's about looking at heroes of the faith who have found ways of living out that deep, personal, intimate relationship. We call them God spaces. And you'll hear a lot about them because there isn't just one God space. There's, there's so many places where Scripture shows us that we can deeply, deeply, encounter God, and in that deep encounter, our lives are transformed, our lives are empowered, our lives are changed so that we change the world around us. And so the same superpower that Jesus had, that deep, personal, intimate relationship with God is offered to each of us so that we too can become heroes of the faith. It's interesting the kind of things 
that stop us from doing that. It's fascinating. I want to ask you this question this morning. What is it that is stopping you becoming a hero of the faith? What is it that is stopping you having that deep, intimate relationship with God that results in you living that Christ-empowered life? Now, I don't know what your answer is, but I've done some research. It's always a good thing when you research before you preach a sermon. And it's interesting what some of the responses are that people give. Some people say, well, what's stopping me is boredom. I get bored with my relationship with God. Boredom is interesting, eh? Did you know that boredom used to be a sin? There's times in church that boredom was considered a sin. Boredom used to be used as a punishment. Boredom has really changed, hasn't it? I'm old enough to remember that that kind of boredom when you literally had nothing to do. Remember when you used to, you know, 30 years ago when you stood in the queue at home affairs or at the licensing department and you literally had nothing? You're like, you didn't have a phone. Remember when you used to get bored in church and you couldn't pretend you were taking notes on your phone? I can remember that as a kid. I used to count the tiles on the, root, on the ceiling at Freenachen Baptist Church. Some people say they get they're bored. And it's true. We can get bored in our relationship with God. It's true. Some people say it's busyness. Oh, how busy we are. One thing after another. Pastor, I just don't have time to put into that stuff that Cindy spoke so beautifully about last week. It's just, I'm too busy, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. It's an excuse I use. I've, busy been, I've been reading a book um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. You know what, one of the things this guy says, he says, if you're too busy f- to spend time with God, then maybe you are too busy to be a Christian. Whoa. Another one that people say they are, one of the excuses is distractions. There's just so many distractions. And if you're like me, you know what that feels like, if you're ADD. I mean, how many of you get distracted while you are distracting yourself? It is true. I mean, the other day, I'm sitting watching a thing on YouTube, and it was educational, and it was interesting. It was a good thing I was watching. It wasn't rubbish. I was watching this program. I was learning stuff about archaeology and history, and then I discovered myself playing a game on my phone while I was... (laughs) Wow. Now, it's interesting. All those things are responses to a question that was posed to people why don't you pray? And people came with, uh, I don't pray because I get bored praying. Other people said, I don't pray because I'm too busy to pray. Other people said, I don't pray because there are too many distractions. There are other reasons. Some people say because they're disappointed in prayer or because prayer doesn't work or because they don't think it's important enough. But can you imagine being offered a superpower Imagine being offered this amazing relationship with the God of the universe and saying, I can't do it because it's boring or because I'm bored, because I'm easily distracted or because I'm too busy. 
This series that we're busy with, Heroes of the Faith, is to challenge each of us to say to ourselves, we are not to anything to really pursue the most important thing in the world. The thing that can turn us into a superhero. And so this series is an invitation to all of you to, to let us change your minds. To let us change your minds about God's spaces. And last week, Cindy just unpacked so beautifully, I needed to hear that because I'm not good with discipline. And so to hear from Cindy to say, do it like this, use this pattern, it helped me so much. But this morning, I wanna change your mind about something specific. I want to change your mind about prayer. I wanna change your mind about how you think about prayer and perhaps how you pray. And I want to introduce you to a superhero that really helped me change my mind about prayer and about how I pray and how I need to deal with the things that I come up with as excuses for not praying. Her name is Teresa of Avila, and she, was, she is a saint of the church. She is an amazing person. And if you think about some of her characteristics, you immediately want to go, I could never be like that. I mean, one of the things about Teresa of Avila, she was, she was a Carmelite nun, and she was very instrumental in the reformation of the Catholic Church back in the 1500s. And, and one of the things about her is she is a doctor of the church. Now that is a title that the Catholic Church has only in its whole history ever given to 36 people. I mean, that's distinguished, eh? A, a, a doctor of the church is a title given by the Catholic Church to saints recognized as having made a significant contribution to theology or doctrine through their research, study, or writing. I mean, she was famous, and she was amazing. But the temptation is when we meet a superhero like that, somebody who's done something amazing like that, we say, I could never be like that. I mean, I could never be get to that level, I'm not smart enough, I'll never be a doctor of anything. But, but she was a human being as well. She was a person. She came out of a, of, a, of a life. In fact, she became a Christian not because a sudden light appeared to her. She began to follow Jesus because of the, of the um, inquisition. You know the Spanish Inquisition where they burned people at the stake and stuff like that? You see, she did. And the thing I've learned from her is that every kind of person can learn to pray. This is not reserved. People with, from any kind of background. She becomes a Christian because of the Spanish Inquisition. Her dad and parents, they were Jewish traders in the city of Avila. They were very wealthy. They were world traders. And the Inquisition came to them and said to them, you guys have got a choice. Either, either you convert to Christianity or we're gonna throw you out the city. You're gonna lose everything, you're gonna become refugees. And so they kind of became Christians in not the normal way. And that's the life she was introduced into. But not only was, did she come to faith in a strange way, she was quite controversial. Here's what one very high official in the Catholic Church said about her. One paper legate described her as a restless wanderer, disobedient and stubborn woman, 
who under the title of devotion invented bad doctrines, moving outside the cloister against the rules of the Council of Trent and her prelates, teaching as a master against St. Paul's orders that women should not teach. A lot of fancy words there, but basically what he was saying, she should keep her mouth shut. She should. And so, so it, it, her life was a life. It, it wasn't always in the safe, godly, holy environment. One of my favorite stories about her was the fact that she ran away from home when she was seven with her brother to go and fight in the Crusades. She wanted to go and fight the Moors. And her and her brother ran away from home to go and fight in the Crusades. And fortunately, they got stopped at the city gates and taken back home. But the picture I'm trying to paint for you here is that, is that people who become heroes of the faith don't have some kind of special life that qualifies them for that. They have ordinary, regular lives in the world that they live in, and God uses them and changes them just like he will use us and he will change us. So I've learned from Teresa of Avila that every kind of person can and should learn to pray. In fact, you hear Jesus saying that repeatedly. He says, when you pray, don't pray like that fancy, you know, pastor over there who likes to be up grand in front of everyone. Pray like that sinner over there. That's how you should pray. Or when you pray, just say, our Father in heaven. You don't have to do it like this. Jesus teaches every one of his disciples how to pray. He encourages children to pray and women to pray and mothers and fathers. Every kind of person can and should learn to pray. Learn from Teresa of Avila that prayer is hard, but it's not a burden. Prayer is hard, but it's not a burden. Isn't it remarkable how many good things are hard to learn. Have you ever noticed that? That to become a marathon runner is incredibly hard. But if you talk to these serious runners, it's not a burden for them anymore. They are out of their minds. They love to run. What's wrong with them? Well, something. It's hard, but it's not a burden. And, and Teresa teaches us, even though she lived in a, in, a, in, a, in a convent, even though her life was, was one of rhythms and regular prayer and being told you've got to pray at this time, you've got to pray at that time, you've got to pray now, you've got to pray like this. Yet she loved praying so much that she ended up wanting to do more of it, not less of it. And the truth is, sometimes it is hard to pray. But... But like a good marriage, the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. Well, be, that's logical because it's a relationship. And so the more we put into prayer, the more God gives us and gives us back out of it. So prayer truly is hard, but it's not a burden. We read in scripture that Jesus goes off alone to pray. He goes and prays all night. He goes and prays on his own. He prays with his friends. He takes time out of the schedule of saving the world to pray. The third thing that I've learned from Teresa of Avila is that prayer should be part of our whole life. 
I think so often we want to add prayer onto our lives. We want to have prayer as something we will get to, or a lovely added extra. Saying that prayer is something you add on to your life is the same as saying, talking to my spouse is something I'm going to add on to my marriage. Or talking to my children is something I'm going to add on to my parenting thing. I'm gonna do all the other parenting, and if I get time, I'll talk to my kids. You see, you can't, you, you can't, you can't. And, and that's something that Jesus wanted to teach his disciples over and over. And he says to them, guys, we, we, must, we can live by these rules, but, but if it's not part of your whole life, even if you live the incredibly busy life of somebody who reformed the Catholic Church, somebody who was a doctor of the church, somebody who ran a very big order in the Catholic Church, you still found the, the urge, the desperation to make prayer not something she added on to her life, but something that was at the center. Remember that story when the disciples come back to Jesus and they haven't been able to cast out that demon and they are not happy. And what does Jesus say to them? You failed because this one only comes out through prayer. <laughs> and then he doesn't pray, he just casts the demon out. Why? Well, because his whole life was a life of prayer. That's what defined his life, not the casting out of demons. Prayer should be part of a whole life. I also learned that you are never too old or too young to learn to pray. It is something that Teresa of Avila pursued from the time she ran away from home to go and fight the Crusades until she died. This pursuit of learning more and more about prayer. It's like any relationship, you've got to keep learning. I remember asking my dad after about 40 odd years of marriage, Dad, when did you stop working on your relationship with mommy? And he checked that the coast was clear. And then he said, my boy, now that I'm retired and I'm at home all day, every day with your mom, I have to work on a little bit harder. He says, but I want you to know this, my boy, it is worth it. It is worth it. it it's something he spent his whole life learning. And it's something we ought to spend our whole lives learning. We are never too old or too young to learn to pray. Here's my favorite discovery. That prayer can be fun, unexpected, and enjoyable. So I wanna tell you what the big thing in Teresa of Avila's life was. The big thing that's like her number one achievement as a saint. It was a new and completely unknown and revolutionary kind of prayer. It's called the prayer of quiet. That's its official name, the prayer of quiet. And you know what it is? It's talking to God in your own head as often as you want to. I mean, that's just bizarre. I learned how to pray like that. That was how I thought prayer was from when I was little. You know, I'd say, Mom, how am I start praying? I'm just talk to God. And yet, when Teresa of Avila t- 
told the church that this is a way to pray, everybody went, you're what? You mean you don't only have to pray out of those long lists and when the bell chimes and through that stuff and in the cloister and in the, you, don't, you, can, you can actually just talk to God anytime you want. Yes, said Teresa of Avila. You see, society had taught people there's only one way to pray. We do that all the time, don't we? You can't pray like this, you must pray like that. And here we have this huge breakthrough in the life of thousands and thousands of Christians that all of a sudden realize, hey, there's other ways to pray. You can pray the prayer of quiet. You can speak to God all the time in your head. I I just love it that even the great heroes of the faith make these Discoveries that every child knows that. Every little kid knows that you can talk to God like that. You see, what's happened to me as I've, as I've researched this, these prayers, I've discovered the truth of 1 Thessalonians 5, where Paul says this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Guys, you do know you can't pray all the time formal prayers. Because if you do, you will have accidents. You will crash your car. You will, you will not be able to take groceries off the shelf. You will not be able to cook. You will not be able to do your job. But it doesn't mean you can't do those and these. You can and should talk to God all the time. He's there, he's available, and he wants you to do it. So this is an invitation to a part of the superhero life. This is an invitation from me to you to start experimenting differently with your prayer life. To start saying, yes, I I need that discipline and I need this, but I also need, I need to become a superhero. Not because I know how to pray at this time of day or that time of day, but because God wants to change me on the inside. See, here's the problem. When we start talking about superheroes, we always think about the costume on the outside. You know? That's what we think about. And I don't want to wear my underpants on the outside like Superman. I don't. (laughs) But you see, when God is talking about superheroes, he's talking about what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. He's talking about what's going on inside the heart. Listen to to a profile of a superhero. This is what a superhero looks like on the inside. A person who genuinely loves others. A person who hates evil and fights against it. A person who makes good things happen. Someone who makes other people feel important and needed. A person who always has enough strength to do what is needed in that moment. A person who serves a cause higher than themselves. A person who shows joy. A person who's always patient. A person who meets the needs of other people. And if you think I made that list up, I didn't. That list comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 13. That's a description of a person of faith. Those things. And slipped into that description is is also the line, who is faithful in prayer. So I want to invite you this morning to this key aspect of the superhero life. I want to invite you 
to pursue prayer as something that is important and attractive and fun. I honestly believe that. I believe I'm, I enjoy communicating with my wife. I love it most of the time. But even when I don't, I still have to do it. And it's the same with our prayer lives. I came across a fantastic phrase this week, to gamify something. Now, if you wonder what that is, it's if you're trying to do something hard, one of the techniques they use to help you do it is they gamify it. So someone in my family is learning Polish, which apparently is hard. And, and the app that they're using gamifies the learning of Polish. So they get rewards and they compete against other people. Imagine if we gamified our prayer life. And I don't mean made it silly, but I mean things like just letting somebody know you've prayed for them. I do that sometimes as WhatsApp. Hey, I prayed for you today. Sometimes people get what, oh, the pastor prayed for me today. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? No. It's just, hey, I enjoyed praying for you today. We, we, we've got so many resources. We've got so many. If you go onto the, our social media, there's all sorts of resources about, about God spaces. So many ways, buses and other ways. Folks, God has called every one of us to be a superhero. And the way we do that is to have a deep, intimate, personal relationship with God. And one of the key ways to do that is to pray. And I want to, us as a church to reinvent the joy of praying. To say this is something that God wants us to do. Wants us not only to do, but enjoy. Wants us not only to joy, but to celebrate. And pray without ceasing. God, thank you that you are a God who we can speak to. Lord, thank you that you are a God who loves to listen. Thank you that you're a God who, who rewards those who seek you. Lord, thank you that your desire is that all of us should, should become heroes of the faith. That all of us should learn how to pray. That all of us should learn how to hear your voice. Lord, help us to be willing and able to give whatever sacrifice we need to give, to give up our boredom and our busyness and our distracted lives, to become who you want us to be. Because Lord, you are able to do this. We are not. And so we give ourselves to you as people who seek to pray and to know God and to walk with him and transform ourselves and our world and become heroes of the faith. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.